Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Adaptable CEO. I'm here today with my beautiful co-host, Anya, and we are thrilled to welcome two incredible women and business partners on the pod today, Angie Kent, an Australian media personality, radio presenter, podcast host, and author, best known for her appearances on Gogglebox and The Bachelorette. Angie now uses her huge platform to advocate for those with chronic and visible illness and also women's health issues. And alongside her is best friend and business partner, Katie McCready, a physiotherapist passionate about women's health and currently studying to become a doctor. Together, they have launched or will be launching very soon the Scene Women's Health Platform, which is an online platform that connects women with the right health practitioners, addressing health needs from adolescence to postmenopausal stages, encompassing chronic and invisible health conditions, and connecting them with healthcare professionals. We are so beyond excited for this chat today, and there is so much that both Anya and I can relate to with you ladies. So thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. That was such a lovely introduction. I was like, oh, I started to feel quite good about myself. So you should. <laughs> I was like, thanks, girls. Thanks so much and for having us here. We're so happy to have you guys. We're so excited for a girls chat today. So to kick us off, what are the three things that you both are thinking about at this very moment? They can be as random or as specific as you'd like? What's sort of taking up space in your brain at the moment? We can start with you, Katie. Oh, you know, just the classic women, women issue, woman issues. I don't know. I think especially in my position at the moment going into medicine, I think about, you know, what does my career path look like ahead of me? You know, there's easier options, there's harder options, and that takes up a lot of space in my head every day. And then on top of that is like, when the heck am I going to have children? Do I want children? <laughs> you know, all that. Um, and then, of course, you know, as a student, money is just, you know, falling out. So that probably too. So, you know, big things, little things. <laughs> all the things. All the things, yeah. So they're probably the three biggest things I've been thinking about. So how far along are you with your studies? I'm in my eighth year of study. <laughs> so I've got um, about eight months to go and then I'm finished. You're on so the home good. stretch. Yes, so excited. So excited. And yeah, that definitely is a big combination of big things and little things. And that huge thought about having children is yeah something that I feel is on a lot of people's minds as women. There's obviously a lot of pressure. I'm actually a few days out from my egg retrieval. I've been going through fertility preservation, my third Oh, wow. And it has been a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. I think I was under the impression of, you know, you have one egg freezing cycle and it's done and dusted. But I read something beautiful recently where it was that egg freezing isn't your insurance policy it's more like a lottery ticket so yeah I can definitely relate to you there on those like big thoughts that kind of come up I think it's Isn't... easy for guys to not dwell yeah. on things all I was just time. about to say that I was like isn't that interesting if you perhaps asked a man like what are they thinking right now it would be so completely different to what we would be thinking because I feel 
that we're kind of conditioned to constantly, we'll, we'll have normal average thoughts like, oh, what am I going to make for dinner? Or, you know, I need a shower because I stink. But it's like constantly in the back of our heads as we get older, it is more stuff like, okay, am I healthy? When am I going to have kids? Do I have enough money? Or if you're single as well, to me, it's like, can I, you know, keep paying off my mortgage? Like it's constant thoughts that I feel they, they're always laying like dormant even though we've got frontal thoughts, they're still always there. So mm -hmm. that's very interesting. I feel like it would be interesting to see the difference between asking the opposite sex what they would yeah, think. Well, my, partner, my partner is in the same year as me at uni. And I'm always just like, you know, what the heck are we going to do? And he's like, wants to do surgery and is like, let's be fine. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, will we? Will we? Oh, just so much more like chilled about it we're wired differently we've got hormones to think about we have we have hormones that can completely change our whole being once a month so I think that's why we probably do think a little deeper and a little bit more all over the shop definitely and like you said so many layers of thoughts there can be things right in the front of the mind there's a ton of things in the back of the mind that are just constantly there and ticking over but Angie what are the three things that are top of your mind at the moment oh I mean uh, there's obviously the hardcore ones, but I did just come back from a healing session with my friend who does kind of essence, energet essence energetics healing, which is like somatic kind of releasing trauma. So for me, I've been thinking about a lot right now, just all day off and on while I've been driving is like how much that type of work has helped me process all my chronic invisible illnesses and how much trauma is related to inflammation. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I've just started studying that as well. And like basic things will be like, I'm really excited to cook dinner tonight. So I'm constantly thinking about food because hashtag freaking hormones and how sweaty I am, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. That's the three <laughs> things I'm thinking about. <laughs> I have like a chronic sweating problem. I'm not. Oh, me too. With my lines. <laughs> oh my god, I have it as well. Antibacterial wipes. Antibacterial mm. wipes from Aldi. I, I like bulk buy them, don't I, Anya? Carry them around in my purse all the time. I've got my little natural woohoo deodorant in my bag as well. I'm not ashamed to admit you, you it. You can't. You can't what be ashamed. Otherwise, it makes you sweat more. I used to be so anxious yeah. about my hands and feet sweating that mm. it would make it worse. And so now I just go, if you want to shake my hand, just so you know, I have hyperhydrosis syndrome. Deal with it. Just put it out like, there. I can't yeah. do anything about it. So and don't it goes shake my the hand. Front of your mind. To the back yeah. Of your mind. Yeah. Fully. I get it. I'm a sweaty sister. We get it. I get you. I got you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So how did you two actually meet and what is your relationship? Are you obviously best friends and business partners? Oh, besties now. We're besties. <laughs> no, we will. We're, well, surprisingly, Katie and I only met, Was it? did we start talking not last year, the year before? Well, we start. yeah, it was actually three years ago now. So I worked as a physio for a while and I, you know, just saw there's a bit of a disconnect between women and their health practitioners and the information that they needed. And then when I moved to Sydney, I was listening to Angie's podcast at the time and she was talking about how difficult it was to find the practitioners that were out there. And I was like, oh, goodness, 
why isn't there just a central platform that women can go to to find someone easily? And so I literally just messaged Angie on Instagram and I was like, hi, I've got this idea. And then Angie was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been thinking the same thing. So so crazy. It's like I literally just said to Evie, who I was doing the podcast with at the time, I wish there was a Yelp for women's health, like where you could, you know, type in and then it would be like, you know, so-and-so from WA and what people thought, but there was just nothing of it. And then Katie had pretty much exactly the same idea. But the beauty of it is Katie has the background and the mind, the, the medical mind, whereas I'm coming from more of a patient and the experience of a patient. And I think the two of us together, it covers both. So it's like I couldn't just do it because people would be like, what does she know? She only knows from her own personal experiences, whereas Katie has personal experiences, but she also has the knowledge because she will be a doctor and is already a physio. So it was just like it was almost like divine intervention, I I feel anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's like connection between, you know, being on one side and the other, you know, like there's obviously a lot of frustration from people about the healthcare system, which is completely fair. Um, But I think it's that partnership that we're bringing where we can create a positive solution to move forward with our background knowledge. Um, So it's been really good. I think it's great too, because it's not good cop, bad cop in any way, but Katie comes from more of a, a mind where it's like, we do have to remember that there are really great practitioners out there. And I know that too from my own experience, but sometimes I may come from more of like, it took me, you know, 15 plus years to even get diagnosed with one thing. And meanwhile, I had five others, but we're finding this really nice balance where it's like, okay, we already know we're all tired and we already know we're all so fearful. We don't want to feed that fear more by being like so many shit practitioners. Let's focus on the good ones now because there actually are so many good ones out there. They just haven't really had the chance to shine because they've kind of been flooded down, I guess, by practitioners that kind of haven't had the right information to point women and AFAB individuals into the right direction. And like Katie was saying earlier, I think we said this off when we were recording, Um, I think we expect so much from GPs as well and they are general practitioners. They're not supposed to know everything and I think we need to realise that as well and not kind of put so much pressure on them to know everything but for them to also be like, okay, look, I'm not a specialist in this but I can put you on to a professional. Like that's where I think we're missing such a gap. Like I don't like this whole good cop, bad cop. I want us to all kind of like work together and all be like, oh, hey, I can send you here. Or I can send you here. I feel like there's such a gap in that. And there's a lot of blame game, which I hope we can change. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's the beautiful uniting of both sides, as you've really articulated there, that, you know, there can be blame game from both sides, you know, mm. from the other areas and being able to have that sharing of perspectives really will create such a good shift. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Angie, could you give us a brief overview for people who don't know of what your experience of healthcare has been like? And if you feel comfortable, of course, um, would you mind sharing your diagnoses with everyone? Yeah, of course. It was probably about, oh, I always get mixed up with the exact date. I think I was 20, I'm going to say 26. That number always seems to pop in my head when I 
had my first laparoscopy. I was seeing my same doctor who I still see now. She is great. And she was like, gosh, it does sound like you've got endometriosis. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even heard of it. I was like, I don't even know what that is. It sounds scary, but I want it out of me. So all I thought was something's growing inside of me. I had no idea that's not even the, the, the medical term. This is what I thought. There's something growing inside of me and I need it out. I had no private health. I was so young, you know, living in Sydney, working in film TV, behind the scenes, nannying, like doing 50,000 jobs to pay bills. And I kind of just went through the public system, not knowing my surgeon at all. And I'm not saying the public system is all that bad because I have had a second laparoscopy through public, but with a private surgeon. And that was a much better experience. But my first one, I was just so completely butchered that I think from there, things really kind of started to, it was like this huge ripple effect for my body. And that's when I really realized there was a lot going on. And it wasn't until my, oh, I must have just got, so, and naturopath started, had always followed me on Gogglebox. And I'm, I must have just got out of the jungle and she said because I spoke about my endometriosis and she said to me you know started talking to me about all this other stuff and we just created this amazing bond and she kind of became my full-time naturopath which cost a lot of money but it was so worth it and then she kind of put me in touch with you know some of the best doctors in Sydney I would never have known and that's where I found out I had endometriosis I already knew and I had fibroids and then I got diagnosed with adenomyosis only my last laparoscopy PCOS and recently PMDD so it's been quite the journey and I had struggled with my period since I got it when I was 11 and then I didn't get it again till I was like 12 and it was constant like this like I would faint or I wouldn't get it for a few months or I'd be in so much pain I couldn't go to school and I always just thought that was normal no one spoke about it and it was almost embarrassing to have your period it was like ew you're 11 and you have your period like you're supposed to be a child so I had so much shame around it that I feel that that also played such a part in the trauma that gets created in our bodies and the inflammation and it just goes nuts. And yeah, I was blessed enough to meet my naturopath. She's no longer with us anymore. But um, from there, she introduced me to some of the best practitioners. And I'm so blessed to have such an amazing team that I've kind of cultivated. And I want to be able to use my experience to help others because not everybody can, you know, have somebody reach out to them like I was lucky enough to have her. So I want to be able to use that to help other people so they can just look it up on the internet and it's all there. So that's that's my that's my dream. Well, that's our dream. Very right. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. But I tell you what, I reckon out of all of them, I hate laparoscopies, but I can handle the physical pain quite well. I've got a really good pain threshold. It's the PMDD that's been the worst worse for me I've absolutely struggled like immensely with that so if anybody out there has that yeah we're we're going to work hard on really kind of pushing more information surrounding that because it's such a it's more of a silent torturer I like to call it can you just explain to us what PMDD is I've heard you speak about it a few times but I'd, I'd butcher it if I tried to say so that. it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder so I like to call it PMS's like evil cousin kind of like adenomyosis they say is endometriosis's e evil cousin 
P- PMDD is PMS's evil evil cousin. So you think of PMS that we all get where it's like the tender boobs and you get, you know, a, a bit of mood swings and you maybe crave things you wouldn't normally crave. That would be the main ones that I used to get. But then PMDD is like completely like I am a, like I disassociate. I'm almost like I'm an alien in my own body. Certain things like touching me, I can't handle certain smells. I feel so incredibly out of body that I often won't leave the house because I'm frightened of how I might come across or communicate because I'm not myself. And then the pain of the boobs is like so much worse. And I just feel like I'm completely manic for about six days. And depending on you know, my diet or my, you know, my exercising, if I'm getting enough therapy, if I'm getting enough sleep, depends how hectic the PMDD will be. Or if there's certain triggers in your life that can really kind of get in there and stir it up even more. Isn't it amazing? You don't realize, well, we realize how big of a role hormones play in not just our periods, not just the typical, the sore boobs, the, you know, the fatigue or whatever. Like I was on progesterone cream and um, I work for a naturopath and I see her as well as a patient and I had to do, well, I still haven't done it yet, but I've got to do a hormone test with her. And she said, you know, go off, go off all your hormones, all your cream. Mm. I went off it. I was so constipated. Oh, <laughs> from so going constipated. off the from going off my cream I was trying to figure out what I had done differently and it was the bloody cream as soon as Mm -hmm. I started taking it again and if I don't go to the bathroom for one day I feel like I could kill someone like yeah it's horrible I've got the leaky gut the toxins just recirculate no one really understands some people cannot go to the toilet for a week and they're fine but like it's just when I put those two together, which how with how much they correlated, it's just it blows my mind. And I'm a oh, <laughs> yeah, it's only what some people I feel like they feel like it's like one thing, but it leaked. Like the gut is so close to the groin and yep. the this this whole area, so it's all linked. So once one thing okay. sets off and you take one thing away away, it's almost like a spiral domino effect. Yep. I feel yeah, I feel yeah in that department too. It's one of the worst when you're constipated all the other way around too. That's a that's another symptom that we don't talk about a lot because we've got so many other things going on. We forget to talk about the fact how friggin' annoying it is, how much you have to either poo yourself when you have your period or not poo yourself when you period. <laughs> it's, it's never hard, ending. It's a hard balance. It's a hard balance. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> Mm. so that's my little journey thus far with the whole chronic invisible illness department there are obviously a lot of impacts of all of those diagnoses do you identify as having a disability or what do you see as the difference between chronic illness and disability Angie mm, no I think I've done so much I, I wouldn't take it away from people who would say that they experience it as a disability But for me personally, I don't want to be defined by my chronic invisible illnesses because as soon as I say I have endometriosis or I have this or I have that, which I still do a lot and I'm trying to reword 
how I phrase things, I I would rather say I experience endometriosis and I experience PMDD only because I feel like as soon as I do that, it has such a hold hold over me that it almost becomes like my whole personality. And I let it become my whole personality for so long. I was always too sick to do this. I couldn't do that. I I couldn't eat this. I couldn't drink that. And I just got more and more sick because I was a bag of nerves. So I would more so say I experienced these things. I would say, of course, I do have chronic invisible illnesses, but I'm not letting them take over me anymore because I let them do that for far too long and it doesn't work well in my mind, but everybody's different. So I would never take that from anyone else. But for me, no, I wouldn't say that I have a disability. No. That's so interesting. And thank you for sharing your perspective, Angie, because yeah, both Anya and I, we know so many people in the disability, chronic illness space, yeah, experience different sensations and I know people that they don't talk about it at all and they've got done all this. There's so many like brain retraining programs for people yes. with illness that are really effective and at the same time they don't discredit the fact that there is obviously a physical layer to the things you're experiencing. But, yeah, just thank you for sharing your perspective because everybody sort so of different. At, yeah. so different and at different phases of their journey and depending on their mental health, things they've got going on, um, I've definitely been on all the spectrums, identifying, mm-hmm. not identifying as having a disability, not identifying as even, I don't even want to say I've got Lyme disease because of all yeah. the stigma, to now owning it, but then not talking about my symptoms, symptoms or sensations so much, giving them different nicknames, giving them yeah. different characters. Like there's so many, yeah, there's no right or or wrong way. There isn't. And you've got to do what's best for you. And I think there's so much out there because everybody's suffered for so long that it's very much like a, you know, people get so upset and they get so angry at each other. Whereas I think it's like identify however you want to identify, but let's let it be our own individual experience, but let's still all stick together. Otherwise, I think the more anger you have and the more stress you have, the more your symptoms get worse. But that's just my opinion. I don't want people to be adding me being like, well, you know, I have this, 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 so therefore I am this. That's that's your journey. I just know it consumes me if I fester on it too much and it helps a lot more when I'm like, okay, okay, today I'm experiencing a flare-up. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do to make myself feel better. Whereas I used to be like, I'm having a flare up. I'm going to go to the ER. I'm going to the ER and I would just spiral and spiral. And I just, yeah, it took a lot, a long time though. Like I'm not saying, oh, I woke up and I can handle it better. Like it took me probably two years since meeting my doctor now, Dr. Andrew, or he's helped me a lot because before him I would just message him. This just happened to me. Do I have to go to the emergency? He's like, no, you're this just you've got to breathe, <laughs> breathe first. And then you're like, you, you learn these little processes and practices and they, they work for me, but they might not work for everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's the good thing with seeing is that, you know, we're not, we're trying to make a space where people can choose their own kind of journey. Yeah. We're not seeing that like, of course we want GPs to be, you know, your central place because, you know, we talk about like the biopsychosocial model of care and all those things are so important when you're dealing with chronic illness. And so it's good to have a practitioner who can be that centre and then help guide you in other directions. 
but then giving the individual the power to choose you know maybe this aspect did this pathway didn't work for me let's try a more um holistic and see if that works for me because we know that not one thing fits everyone so it's mm-hmm. it, it is allowing people to take ownership of their own journeys and it's I think it's a really important thing that we're doing. Love yeah. that. And you guys have sort of already answered the question about what need seen is meeting. Did you want to add anything more to that? We just really want to be that connection and make things easier for women. So I'll give you an example. Like I know we talk about chronic disease and that's a big um, area that we want to focus on, but also people um, you know, who may not be going through things like that just the simple act of finding a practitioner like because I've just moved to Melbourne and I um you know I have the implant on and I just want to go on and find somebody who can take it out and who is interested in women's health and who Mm. you know I can ask about different things but I have to go on to a lot of different you know websites and try and find things and you know I just want to streamline it all and we should be able to so that's kind of how I see things going. I think that's perfect. It makes so much sense. Having to sift through so much information can become exhausting and that's when you kind of do end up getting the shits and not knowing where to go from there. So having something as easy, I can't believe nobody's thought of it before, if I'm to be honest. I'm like, how have we hit this absolute, to me, I think is like a heaven sent idea to have that will just be such a game changer on so many different levels. But, yeah, side note, we really need um, to hopefully get the, the grants from the applications we've applied for and also if there's just anybody that's interested out there in coming on board and funding something as magical as this and how many people it's going to help, really, like, you start as what 10 years old people start getting their period and you go it goes until you however long you know so it's like it's it's going to help so many different people yeah absolutely yeah so anybody listening out there who has lots of money and wants to invest holler at us slide into our dms (laughs) we need you I think it's definitely a great thing to invest in and I completely agree like it's 2024 and something like this didn't exist up until now Mm. needed but something that I want to touch on is that you spelled women with an x and I'm sure that there are people listening who may not have seen it spelled this way but can you explain the decision and the meaning behind it yes absolutely so it was a big goal of ours to be extremely inclusive when we did this platform when we created this platform and we wanted to do that in a way that doesn't discount things that women experience so yeah it's a very hard area to make sure that you're inclusive while not discount discounting a lot of people who need to access this so um we were we brainstormed a lot about how to do this and then we found you know women women with an x which was an inclusive term for afab non-binary and so we just we want to use it in a way that doesn't exclude people because I have a lot of queer friends and I'm part of the LGBTQI plus community and I have found it I have a lot of friends that are trans and non-binary and they find it quite disheartening to always be referred to as women's health or helping 
women only have periods. And we wanted to really make sure that we're inclusive of everyone, but we also understand that there is a generation that might not understand all of that as well. But we don't want anybody to be feeling like they're not a part of it. So for us, just spelling it with the X is people may look at it and not even realize that it is about being inclusive. We don't want to offend anyone. So we thought by having the X, it's a simple way to do it. If you don't know what it is, maybe that's fine that you don't need to know. But if you do know what it is, you know what it's there for and you know that you're like held and supported by. We just want to support everyone without anyone getting offended. And it's really, really, really hard these days to do that. But at the end of the day, ultimately, all we want to do is help people, whether they identify as a woman, whether they identify as non-binary, whether they're trans, whoever has a gets their period and suffers with anything chronic, invisible illness-wise, we want to help. So that's why the X is in there. We didn't want to have like a long title or things in brackets. It's like, you know, trans people included. It's just like everybody is included. That's kind of how we thought of, but yeah, it's kind of like a tricky, fun way to do it. I'd never heard of it. Katie actually told me about it and I was like, oh my God, I love it. It's it's perfect. Yeah. I think you said it actually really beautifully in there, Angie, that the people that aren't aware of inclusion mm. don't know what the X means and that's fine. But the people that look at the word women, they see the X there, will know that that it represents they'll them. get it it's one of those things where it's like you get it you know like we're there for you and if you don't want to get it we're still there for you let's all just we're all on the same page we all just want help is what scene kind of stands for yeah okay. and I think it's a really important conversation to have like I've been part of quite a lot of advocacy within the maternity and gynecology space and it's been a topic of such great contention because of course people that are assigned female at birth that might not identify as being a woman they obviously still access maternity and gynecology services mm-hmm. but change a service name from a women's health service to just a people's service and yeah that offends you know women and so it is it's really- that that's it yeah and- it's a whole thing yeah, I just think that you've navigated it really beautifully. So I think that's... I hope so. We're we're trying really hard. And I think that's the biggest thing is all we can do is try and just know that we're here to help everybody to us. Well, to me, I know that I don't mind at all what you identify as. I just want to make sure that you don't suffer in silence for as long as I did and however many other people I know have. And it's all about hearts, not parts anyway, to me. Like oh, you're a human so being cool. and we want to help you. <laughs> It was so beautiful, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one before. That's, no. one fav- That's one of my favourites, Hearts Not Parts. I haven't heard that yeah. either. I love it. Oh, maybe I made it up. I thought I stole it from somebody. <laughs> All my good stuff's usually stolen. Like I recycle a lot of good shit. <laughs> you made it up. You made it up. I made it up. No, actually, I think I got it off a podcast ages ago about, it was a non-binary podcaster, so I don't want to steal that. I, I need to credit them. I need to find that <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> you let us know. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> so we'll move on, but... Yeah, we obviously all know that the health issues women face today, which have gained more visibility, thank God, in recent years, 
aren't sudden. Women have been urged for a long time to just suck it up and extreme period pain has been normalized for the longest time. Now, Angie, you've emphasized the importance of drawing attention to the issue of delayed diagnosis. And I can personally relate to this um, on many levels, but in my current situation, having Lyme disease, that if I was diagnosed earlier, my outcome would have been totally different to the experience I'm having now. Um, Mm. So in terms of women's health, what key changes do you think are necessary to shift this reality or that you would like to see? Oh gosh, so much. But to put it quite like just bluntly, it would just be more awareness and more funding, more visibility and the space to talk about it. For so long, we're just being told that period pain is normal and it is not normal. And the fact that we're not allowed to talk about our period when it's just something that we didn't ask for, we were, and it's also such a beautiful thing when it doesn't turn on you. But mm-hmm. um. Just more visibility, more funding, more awareness, and just for people to talk about it and for everyone to be okay. You know, it's like without the the period, none of y'all would be here. So let's just have more awareness around it and respect it more. And just money, 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 money. There's just not enough funding out there for it. Yeah, talking about awareness, I think it's it's just such a big thing. Women have gone through and just expected things to happen from their bodies. Yeah, incontinence for for example, women just accept that maybe after having a baby, they're going to be incontinent, and then that's just Mm. their lives, and nobody's or they haven't they don't know that there is options to help them and to get better, and so I think it's just awareness and easy access to assistance and education is so necessary. Mm, yeah 100% totally agree with that awareness like it's so common you know you talk to your girlfriends about it and that's all well and good but some people might not have friends to talk to about it and you've both created this awesome Facebook group which I love bringing women together dealing with their women's health challenges or whatever challenge they're experiencing with their health which is super cool and I've personally found a lot of these support groups have been so pivotal in my journey Mm. and literally have led me to so many amazing practitioners but you know it's that case of sifting through everything and that's why I again just love the idea of your platform but are there any plans to make this that community even bigger and how do you see it sort of growing and evolving? Yeah, so our goal with our social medias is to create, especially our Facebook group, is to create a community that is able to talk about these things and able to create that awareness and then also able to share their experiences of practitioners that they have found really helpful. Because, you know, there's some excellent Facebook groups out there, you know, that share, women are able to share information and success stories. I think there's the opportunity to have a really amazing community that's really positive and effective with moving forward in women's health. Definitely. Yeah. We want it to get bigger and bigger. We don't plan on uh, stopping anytime soon. We hope it just keeps growing. And I think as soon as we have the website up and running, that's when it's really going to start moving a lot quicker. It's just start, starting any business is very, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So it's kind of, you know, putting all our, what is it, ducks in a row and making sure we dot our I's and cross our T's. I don't even know if I'm saying these things right, but you know what <laughs> I'm saying. 
sayings. She's coming out with the, yeah. the clangers when she's delirious. Oh. It is such a long process. We've been working on it for a while now, and there's just a lot of stuff you have to read and make, you know, like legalities and, you know, speaking to lawyers. And so it's slow, but it's going to get there. And then when we get there, we just pray and hope that it only gets bigger and better and all our hard work pays off definitely you know that saying like all good things take time frustrates the hell out of me but very true <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of true though isn't it it, it, it is because it's like you've got to get it right so it does take time but it'll be it'll be totally worth it it will be and for so many people like millions of people it's such big scale but Katie, you're studying medicine and you come from that physio background, as we've spoken about, and people would perceive this really as that Western medicine approach. And Angie, like while you've balanced that Western medicine, you've also spoken more openly about trying alternative medicine too. Can you explain like how SCENE will embrace and combine both of these approaches to support women to find what works best for them? Like we said this before, the main thing is one thing doesn't fit everyone. So we want to make it a really open space and share people's well, different practitioners' ability to help people. Because a lot of people actually don't know what there is out there that can help them. Mm. Like a lot of people, like Angie, like you said, talking about with your naturopath, you probably didn't realise that a naturopath could help you mm-hmm. with those different things. So, you know, and lots of people don't even know what their GPs can offer them. So there's just a lot of people out there with incredible skills in different areas to help women. And so we just want to highlight these things so that people can go on and be like, oh, you know, I'm experiencing these really bad, um, like, dysmenorrhea. I'm going to go see this GP or then that may not work for them. And then they're like, okay, let's figure out a different option. Maybe I'll go see a naturopath and have my um, have them have a look at me and see what we can do. So it's just creating that space that gives people a lot of, Um, different options I guess but also making sure that it is a safe place so that we're not just promoting people who are random and they just are like I can do this but maybe they can't yeah (laughs) we want to make it a safe safe platform as well as a very open platform yeah that's a big thing we don't want people that have just done you know a one-day course and they're saying that they're I don't know a dietitian for polycystic ovary syndrome and that's all they do and then they're led down a garden path because we've all been led down garden paths before we want to make sure they have the right credentials and like Katie was saying one thing may work for someone else may not work for another person so for me I can't do a lot of pharmaceuticals for pain and inflammation I see I do more Chinese medicine based things that doesn't mean I'm like everybody should do that but we want there to be an option that you can be like oh if I've got really bad PMDD I can actually get acupuncture instead of going on an antidepressant but you could also go on an antidepressant and do acupuncture you know there's so many different things but unless you've been blessed enough I say now that I'm blessed it took a long time to get there you just have no idea and I just don't want that for people I I think the education is key and that's what this space will also hold for sure options I like I think options are important options and education yes definitely and what might work for you might not work for someone else but at least you can give it a go I love what you you I think Katie you mentioned you know you're not just 
putting anyone on the website because I think a lot of the pitfalls with like these Facebook groups and things like that is people will post things, oh, I know I tried this lady and this helped me. And then you're, like you said, Angie, you're, you're sent down this garden path of just nowhere yeah. sometimes. And that is so emotionally exhausting, oh, physically so exhausting. exhausting, financially exhausting. And if you can provide people with many different options, and I'm sure the platform is going to be so technically, I don't even know the words to describe it, but it will be so technical to develop the platform to make sure that it's easy to use and streamlined as well. Yes. If you nail that, which it sounds like you guys will absolutely I hope so. <laughs> nail it. Like, yeah, I got goosebumps. It's super exciting because that's oh, something good. that we all need. Like I've been, yeah, like you, Angie, in the chronic illness community space for such a long time. Every We've all had the idea, but to actually put it to work and yeah. platform, you're going to change so many people's lives. Oh, I yeah. hope so. Thank you. That's our, that's our biggest goal. Yeah. And Angie, now you've been in the public eye a lot and you've been, you know, in our homes and our TV screens in so many different roles. And we see you and I see you now as, you know, looking radiant and healthy, but many would never realize all the different health issues and challenges and the pain that you face every single day. Mm-hmm. So how how did you manage your health when you were filming for all these different projects? And did you find it challenging to navigate being perceived as healthy and then mm. being real? Or do you did you just have to put a facade up? The I whole think time? when I first got on I think I had such a nice transition from kind of turning into a personality or whatever you want to call it because Gogglebox was such a easy, beautiful sit at home. If I had pain, I could literally tell the crew, like, look, I've got to take a break. Like it's not live. It's you're sitting at your house with your dogs and whatnot. So I had that for four years where I think, and then Evie and I sort of started talking a little bit about it, but it wasn't until really I feel like the pandemic that I started to be like learning so much more about everything and felt safe enough to talk about it because so many people or I felt like because I wasn't a professional and no one else was really talking about it I was like oh is this like a weird space because you know it's often so shunned and not spoken about but I did know I had endometriosis. John, oh, no, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. And I didn't know at the time how bad it actually was. Like I bled every single day, but you never would have been able to tell. And you get starved on that show. And I think looking back now, I, you know, and you're told every day, like I was like, I'm really faint and I'm bleeding every day. And you don't have your normal supplements and all that stuff. And I look back and I'm like, I should have had like a kind of custom program that I should have been able to still have while I was in the African jungle, right? But I didn't realize how hardcore it was. So I would just plot along and I'd just be like, I'm fine. I'm just anxious. I'd always gaslight my own self. I'd be like, you've just got really bad anxiety. You just got bad anxiety. Oh, I was always told I was anemic. I was always told I was just a super anxious person. I was always just told periods are bad. And then right before I got diagnosed with PMDD after my third laparoscopy, so 2022, I get the last three years are a blur to everybody, I feel. So I don't know if I'm getting my dates right. I was told that 
I could have bipolar disorder. I was told that I could have some kind of, oh, there was something else that was hardcore that was thrown out there. And it wasn't until, you know, my doctor was like, you only ever get like this right before your period. We've got to monitor your hormones before we just go put you on an antipsychotic or an antidepressant that you may not need. And it's okay if you do need it. I just didn't need it. But yeah, I think it wasn't until really I did Dancing with the Stars the second time and I felt so sick and it was in the pandemic. So I couldn't get my normal regular health checkups because the the world was shut down. And I, I didn't realize until after, and I had my third laparoscopy and my surgeon was like, you were riddled with cysts. Like, I don't even know how you stood up, let alone flung your body in the air and did the splits and you know, trained seven hours a day for like five weeks, then performed live. Like I look back at that little person in all the shows that I've done and I look back and how much I gaslit my own self being like, oh no, you're just anxious today. You're only tired because you didn't sleep much. Oh, you're only in pain because you didn't eat. It's like, girl, you were like riddled with all this stuff that no one held space for. So I think I'm a really good pretender, which is not actually, I mean, it's good if I was an actress and I got paid for it, but you know, in life to pretend you shouldn't have to do that. And I think I've just been really good at pretending for so long because no one held space for me and to feel safe to be like, look, this is what I've got going on and what is it? Because you just feel crazy. Now I'm getting a little bit better. Like if I'm on set, I will say to my director, like I'm really anxious today. I have PMDD and I've got a really, really bad period. And I don't really have fear now of men are like, oh, why did you tell me that? I will say it more. And I know I can suss out now what people will hold space for that. And those who don't, I'm like, well, I don't need to be around you when I'm feeling like this. And I'll just pretend while I'm on camera and then I'll just go cry in the toilet afterwards. (laughs) It sounds so morbid, but sometimes you've got to do it until we've got more awareness and space around it. Unfortunately, we live in a world that's still very like, all right, suck it up, fake it until you make it and get over it. But I want to change that, obviously. I'm not telling people to do that. I'm just very good at it. Just pretending I'm okay when inside I'm like, And yeah, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Probably. (laughs) I was going to say, like, I'm so sorry that people haven't held space for you. And all of the advice that you're giving, like, outwards in terms of, like, you're not saying for other people to pretend but you still pretend is basically exactly what Tiff and I do because we're like, you you shouldn't pretend you should speak up. You need to tell other people what you need or you need to ask what you need. Like you should stand up for it. But then we both pretend all the time. Like no one would ever know what we go through and cry in hidden spaces because people Mm. sometimes don't get it. And you can sense that, unfortunately. You you certainly can straight away a, a woman's intuition you you just know and we do I know a lot of people are going to hate this but we do very much still live in a man's world where we do have to to suck it up and they don't they will never get it not all men obviously I'm just talking about men that identify as men were were born in the body they identify in but um they won't get it and they never will but there are some beautiful men out there that are starting to get it I have some beautiful men on set recently and his partner had PCOS and he would like ask me advice and he was only this young bloke. And I was like, see, it's changing. It's happening. And he'd be like, oh, she's got these symptoms. And I was like, all right, let's let her try this. Let's get her to a naturopath. It might not work. Like, and I loved having those conversations with like a 27 year old guy. Like I never would have been able to have those 
conversations when I was 27. It, it sounds like it, it was ages ago. It kind of was now. But, <laughs> you know, even within the last, like, five years, I'm like, so much has changed. No. I wouldn't have even said so much five years ago, I don't think. I feel like a lot has changed over the last five years, which is really sad that it's only five years. Yeah, I think change is happening so it is now, which is really exciting. And I think one of those changes is the Victorian inquiry into women's pain, which was yes. very exciting. And Katie, you're based in Melbourne, so hopefully you're at the epicentre of this. Um, how do you think it will impact both the health system and also the community? Um, I think it's an amazing thing that they're doing. I think the inquiry has showed them what we basically already knew is that mm. pain is real and it is it does affect a lot more people than um, you think. Yeah. But I do think it's really positive. They're committed to so many good things, investing a lot more money, opening a lot more clinics, you know, there's it's a, an awesome step forward. And I think we are on the precipice of like a change in women's health. And I think there's going to be so many new businesses or health initiatives that are going to come from it because, you know, they are able to now just put some numbers on it, which a lot of government things need to move. Mm. So they have the numbers now and now they just have to implement these things to take action so I think it's going to be amazing for Victoria and I think on a national level it is becoming a huge priority for most government most state governments so I think we'll see a lot of change well fingers crossed we see a lot of change happening in women's health space in the coming years yeah we just got to let the other states catch up there's always the not not going to name any but there's always a couple that are a little bit slower but well they'll get there they'll get there we're on the cusp yes I think the only way is up and I know it's like a really slow it seems like a slow well it has been slow let's face it let's not beat around the bush but I do feel like the only way is up like there's no going backwards now and I think we're too fierce like I really think we're not that scared anymore I used to be so scared I think it helps more like now that I've fully embraced the fact that I'm queer, like I don't really give a shit if men are uncomfortable with the fact that I have my period and I'll just say the most like grossest shit that they probably don't even need to know. But I just feel like we're just so much more like I've been in pain for ages. I know my worth now. If you don't want to step up and get left behind <laughs> might be a bit ruthless but that's just how I feel and life's too short to be inauthentic if you're in pain just say you're in say pain it. scream it from the rooftops if it helps <laughs> yeah I get to the I want to get to the stage sometimes if people don't believe me I want to like get out my things from like my surgeries and be like see this see that's inside of me just because you can't see it I'd love to be able to just like show them like wear a t-shirt one day and, and then they'd be like oh god go home but the fact they can't see it they're like oh you're fine it's like I'll show you these sis and you will spew and I'll show you what's growing in here and like they literally would pass out but you can't see it but I will do it one day I'm gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> love it love it and that's the joy of having illness isn't it oh you've got to laugh if you yeah. don't laugh you legitimately will cry. cry and I've cried too many tears so I'm a laugh my way to health yeah I know say that all the time. If if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Okay. <laughs> oh, changing pace slightly, but we couldn't mm. interview you girls without um talking about this. Now, Angie, we've all got to know you very well from the Bachelorette, but um 
can you talk to us a little bit about how you found dating with chronic illness and your experience and especially since it's something as we were just saying that many people can't see how has dating been for you do you have any stories you could share with us the good the bad the ugly oh god I always found I always found dating men cishet men I always found dating very hard because I never knew how to vocalize my pain to them and I was always getting UTIs and I was always in so much pain and I often felt like if I wasn't being heard or respected you don't really want to have sex do you like if somebody doesn't get you you're like well that's not gonna turn me on when I was younger I didn't know my worth so I'd kind of be like whatever but then as I was getting older I was like "Mm, I don't want to get a UTI every time you're penises inside of me like that doesn't bring me joy and you also don't want to listen to when I'm in pain so I I often had a lot of trauma I would say around sleeping with men and I'd get really really anxious and I kind of stopped I would go for years off and on just not having like penetrate penetrate I always say it wrong penetrative penetrative you know what I'm trying to say yeah I often would try to inv- avoid like the actual act I'd be like fine with foreplay yeah like the in- the inserting because I'd it'd be so fucking painful and I would never know why and now I know why like my pelvic floor was so damaged from constantly tightening all the time because I was so anxious and in so much pain my pelvic floor was just this tight tight like you couldn't fit anything in it and you know men are like oh hot and I'm like not hot that's just pure trauma baby that's not hot tight shit right there so I just got to a stage where I stopped having sex and then it wasn't until I was like really started to identify that I was queer I always knew I was pansexual I just didn't really know like I never really explored it because I always felt that it was expected of me to get a boyfriend and have a baby and all that. And then now having sex with, you know, people that aren't just cishet dudes, I find it way less confronting and you don't always just have to have the inserting. You can do other stuff. So now I feel like a lot more like, you know, I'm relaxed more and I feel held and I feel supported because women or non-binary or trans like they generally understand what's going on and they hold space for you and I'm not saying men out there don't cishet men don't I just never had that great experiences maybe if I go back there it might be better but I don't plan on doing that anytime soon just saying but I definitely faked it a lot (laughs) I was like oh god this is is this what it's gonna feel like forever so thank god it's not (laughs) Yeah, it is a massive challenge. I think, you know, balancing health issues with sexual activity. I actually had a very uncomfortable doctor's appointment yesterday where I was asked if I'm sexually active. And I just said to them, I said, you can have a look at my medical history. And whenever I get a UTI is when I'm sexually active. And so that's what they did. It was, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny that they ask that question? It makes you almost feel like you've done something naughty. It's like, are you sexually active? It's like, Yes, I'm a grown-ass adult. Of course, I'm sexually active. I do get why they have to do it. But, yeah, you... But, you will... but that's why you should feel comfortable at a doctor's office. So Yeah, exactly. You want to go to someone who is confident to say, are you having anal sex? Are you having vaginal sex? And not yes. be too uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. you know, that's what you should... Like, you should go to a doctor's office to have those questions asked. 
but in a constructive way. Yes. Uh, amen. That's a good way to put it. You should not have to feel uncomfortable with such a simple, well, it's an ever, you know, it's a human thing to do, yeah. but um, yeah, I did often find that I would, I'm the same. I'd get UTIs every time I had sex or I'd get thrush and it would be always this going toing and throwing, but I was the one that always had to take the thrush medication but he had it too, and but he wouldn't take it. And I'd be like, well, you're, you just keep giving it back to me, homie. Like, you've got to take – but boys don't know that they have to do that too. So it's just this whole thing that we all need to be, like, educated on because I didn't know either. I was like, I wonder why I keep getting it. It's like, well, no, he's got it, and you're, you're, you're just like <laughs> – you but just keep passing it. They don't, they don't get the symptoms. That's the thing. Oh, my God, for so long, and that's so another lucky. thing. I know. You're lucky well, in so many departments. So <laughs> many departments, they truly are. But that's another big thing that, yeah, just to be notified at a young, younger age of the fact that the, men can experience that too and you can pass. Like I just don't know how I was that old and I didn't know that. There's so many things I look back on and I'm like, thanks, uh, you know, high school education for only teaching me about the Bible and... <laughs> war sport that's it I, I learned how to play netball real good and I know heaps about Jesus that's about all that <laughs> that's all what that is. Is, there like Jesus. is there a netball tv show like netball with the stars <laughs> netball with the stars could you imagine how good actually that would be really fun I'm gonna pitch that I <laughs> said that at the same time <laughs> oh god so changing the direction again visioning for the future you've got your funding you've got your money what does the platform look like in one to two years well well what we envision is a woman who is any age any stage of her life or their life will be able to go onto this website and put in a symptom, um, a diagnosis, um, you know, a treatment request, and then they'll be able to look and see what different practitioners can provide assistance with that issue. Then they'll be able to bring that down to their location and find someone close to them and then be able to book in to see them. We also want to be able to highlight um, products and Mm -hmm. educational sites and also promote our own education surrounding different things so that this is a centralised platform that people can go to to, to, you know, get that holistic healthcare. Um, So that's kind of how I see things going. Um, And, of course, we have a big... We hopefully will have a big community of seniors, which we've decided to call them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that we can really share our experiences and grow in a really positive way. I couldn't even add anything else. I think that's perfect. It's exactly how I see it too, helping people in all those areas. That's the goal. I seriously cannot wait for this platform, not only for myself, but so many of my friends. Oh, um, good. Yeah, really excited. And our final question for you guys. So, Angie, you can start thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Start cooking. 
really late and really appreciate you ladies being here. But what advice would you guys give to your younger selves with everything that you know and that you've learned about life and business? Oh, I would give myself so much advice, but would be here forever. I would just say to trust your your gut way more. Trust your intuition. Don't let somebody else tell you who you are or how you're feeling. I would say start some kind of therapy or healing way earlier than what you did just to navigate what was projected onto you that wasn't your fault. And I would just be like, just be yourself and just like not care what anyone thinks because you're not going to play, you're not going to please everybody. Like there's no way in the world. Trust me, I've tried. It's exhausting. And now I'm just like YOLO. So I'd go back and I would just like, oh, no, I just want to kiss her and hug her because, God, she was such a little stress monkey. She would just wig out over everything and she just wanted everyone to love her. And I'd just look back and I'd cuddle her and I'd be like, you don't have to please everybody. Just love yourself sick. And those who are supposed to love you will love you. In return... Such beautiful words from you to that edge. I'm so poetic, aren't I, today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think going on from that, I would say, yeah, just to be more confident in yourself. I think I always had a lot of doubts, like mm. even applying to do the work that I'm doing. Like I was like, oh, I probably should, like I won't even apply because I won't get in. And then, you know, and then messaging Angie I was like oh like why would I do that you know it might not work and then doing this I'm like constantly like oh is this even a good idea like oh I don't know yeah but just backing yourself and being like who cares if it doesn't work out like at least you've tried and you know what it might and you might end up helping lots of people so I think confidence is just a huge struggle I know a lot of people, but yeah, it's been something yeah. I really work on. A lot of a lot of fear, I think, is projected on us as at a young age. So being more fearless, I think, and just going for it. And imagine if you didn't go for it, we never would be here. So true. So true. If you didn't slide into the DMs, <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation about thrush and jesus penetrative <laughs> 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 sex <laughs> oh god this is we've actually covered so many topics I, yeah. the things we've talked about in this one conversation could probably pan out to a few different episodes <laughs> <laughs> love it it's all in one that advice was incredible and i think it's just a universal advice that everyone really needs to hear and take on board i know that i need to to hear it and to take it on board too but we're just so grateful to both of you, not only for coming on the pod, but just for the work that you're doing and the work that you already have done to really build to this moment and all you're going to do in the future. So thank you. Thanks, ladies. No, we appreciate it. We're grateful to to be able to talk about our baby. We're excited to share her with the world. Yes, thank you for giving us the platform to talk about it. We really appreciate yeah. it. And where can everyone find more information about the scene platform and you guys? So I think um, the main point would be our Instagram at the moment. So it's scene underscore WH, women's health. So we, we post informational packs on there and have started our practitioner series where we're publicizing a lot of different practitioners already. And also, I guess if they want to get involved, they can also email us. Um, admin at scenewomenshealth 
with an x.com so yeah we'd love to hear from anyone also if you're a practitioner and want to be advertised on our yeah reach out to us because we really want to get lots of practitioners involved and develop our following so that we can project people onto a larger audience so yeah awesome I'll definitely be sliding into your dms and recommending (laughs) some of the practitioners I use yes Uh, oh please do yes we love that we gotta we gotta share sharing is caring we need as all the amazing practitioners out there that we can get yeah we Um, love recommendations from people um, because they're the best practitioners Mm -hmm. definitely word of mouth is so powerful and the way that you guys are going to put it all into one amazing platform cannot wait thank you so much ladies for joining us and thank you yeah keep following along with the scene platform we're so excited thanks thanks ladies